And that is why I'm glad to be a dad. <laughs> I mean, we had, it was a couple of weeks ago, one of our kids came up and said, I was changing a headlight in our car. And they came up and said, Dad, I need, never mind, I'm going to ask Mom. Just backed away. I went, perfect. This is a win-win for all of us. <laughs> so, well, happy Father's Day to our dads in here. And I want to talk to the ones specifically online right now. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I know this is your day. You could be, and who am I kidding? You're not there. You are sleeping, fishing, or golfing. And so whoever's watching on behalf, tell them happy Father's Day. And if you're a dad and you're here, you're my favorite, all right, for this week. So anyway, well, this morning we are wrapping up a journey we've taken the last couple months through the book of 2 Corinthians. This was Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. And as we've talked about 2 Corinthians, we've had this theme that you just saw. It's staying power. Staying power. Staying power is that thing that, you know, you got to stay in situations when you'd rather run away. And staying power is the walking through and going through the situations you'd rather get around. And staying power is that power to, to walk through and navigate what's overwhelming when you'd much rather just overpower the whole deal. And so we've talked about some of those situations because Paul talked about it in that letter. He talks about this power that is present as he walks through these different situations. You know, when, when trials come, when critics come, when the world turns upside down, we can relate to that, can't we? When others wound you, when there's a need, when you've been misunderstood. And, and this morning, as we look at Paul just wrapping up his letter, I am just, I am convinced that the situation that Paul talks about as he gets very personal toward the end of his letter, I think this is the situation that is probably the toughest and the most difficult for every single one of us to stay in. And to be honest, many of us, when you think about your situation or situations of those that you know and love, there's really not a choice. You're just stuck with staying in the situation. This is the situation that if God gave you an easy button in life, you would use it right here. This is the situation that looks most like the video you just saw, where instead of mom, 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 mummy, mom, mom, over time you've said, Father, God, Jesus, please do something about this. And that situation is when the answer is no. When the answer is no. I mean, we all have a no we've received in life, don't we? And I, I certainly don't mean to minimize it to singular because for many of us, when you've lived long enough, it's not just no, singular, it's no plural. These are the situations that we've all faced. And for some of you, it's, it's a dream that maybe became a nightmare. And it's, it's a job that didn't look the way you thought it would look. It's a pain, a physical pain that just will not go away. It's a person that is just always there. It's a person who's no longer there. See, those are some moments in life that put us on our knees and we say, Lord, you have got to do something about this. And so this morning, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's just a few verses in there, as Paul begins to speak 
about his personal experience. He's been addressing the church, but now he's going to talk about his own story. And Paul, Paul throws out this phrase that you've probably used before. And, and if you've used it before, you may not know that you were actually getting this out of the Bible. He talks about this thorn in his flesh. See, Paul was a guy who, you know, before he, he met Jesus, he was persecuting the church. He had all kinds of credentials. He was looked up to. Uh, people wanted to be like him, and he was bold in the way he went about it. And when he met Jesus, it completely turned his life in the opposite direction. And God continued to use him even more boldly than Paul had been before he met Jesus. And as Paul, as he, as he spent 20 years of his life planting the church and growing the church. Paul, he, he says that shortly after he was converted, after he began following Jesus, he says he was afflicted. He was afflicted. Now, he, he goes into why he was afflicted, and we'll get to that in a moment. But as you listen to what he says about this thorn in the flesh, there are some incredible, incredible parallels and takeaways for you and for me for whatever that thorn in the flesh is, whether it's in the past, whether you're going through it right now or for one day, if you're facing it in the future, if and when that comes. Now, before I get to that, think for a minute about how you've you've kind of tried to get rid of that thorn in the flesh. And we don't want to kind of hit the escape button. Isn't the worst trouble you've ever been in when you went and asked one parent for something and they said no? And what'd you do? Yeah, you went and asked dad. That's what you did, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Sure. Some of the, the, the greatest, and I don't mean great as in good, but some of the biggest baggage in our lives is often when we've said, God, please do something. And we turn to something else that in some way, when we get silence from him or a no from him, it says yes to us in some way. And it shows up as regret years down the road, doesn't it? And so as we look at this episode for Paul, as he lands on maybe one of the most difficult, persistent things we could go through in life, I want you to hear what Paul took away as he asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh. Now, some believe that this was a thorn that was an actual literal thorn in his flesh that he just could not get rid of. Some believe that he had epilepsy and he, he would go, he'd be traveling, you know, between, from church to church to church or area to area, and he never knew when he was going to have one of these seizures. Some believe it was an eyesight thing. Some believe it was a, this was a symbolic thing. But I'm actually so glad we don't know what the thorn in the flesh is because you and I, the pain that we walk through, we can take something from what Paul has to say. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the first thing, the first thing Paul says the thorn in his flesh did is it served to puncture his pride. Listen to this. In order to keep me from becoming, look at this word, conceited. See, Paul had been given a vision. Paul had been given this grand vision that many people would just love to have had. But somehow, as he, as he you know, looked back on this, he realized that would be an occasion to get really, really puffed up about it. That would be something to get real, real prideful about. And he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, if we could stop there. There's something important we got to know here. The greatest the greatest danger, the greatest danger 
to your relationship and my relationship with your heavenly father is not pain. It is pride. It is not pain. It is pride. See, we, we often minimize pride. We minimize just how small it can get. Do you know you can get prideful over anything? This last week, true, our 10-year-old, she's like, Dad, look how many mosquito bites I got. I was like, oh, yeah, let's have a competition. I, I've got, you know, she had like 10. I counted like 17. And Kara's looking at me like, you are a moron for winning this competition. That just means you were, you were just too dumb to go inside when you should have gone inside. Right? But can't we just kind of one-up anything? We, we, can just, we can get all puffed up about anything. Because pride is something that starts so small. But it grows so big. If you were to look throughout scripture, you want to know what the root of all sin is? It's pride. It is absolutely pride. You read stories of people that they were, they were, they were just so simply and in such devotion following Jesus. And yet pride was the downfall. In the Old Testament... People that God had a hold of them and they they were holding on to God. It was pride that did them in. See, because pride is that thing that just we always come back for more. It never can fully satisfy us. We can never be fully content when pride is at play in our hearts. And so Paul says that thorn in the flesh, it, it served to do something. It absolutely punctured my pride. Pride is that thing that just pushes everyone and everything else out. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He said, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is the great sin that leads to all other sins because pride is the exaltation of self above all authority, even God's authority. And if anybody had something to boast from and to be proud over, it was Paul, as you look at his background, and how educated he was, and how influential he was, and how bold he was. And so Paul, looking at his thorn, he went, okay, okay. Somehow, in some way, I needed this. Thorns can puncture our pride. But Paul goes on, and you'll see it here in just a minute. Thorns deepen our knowledge of our need for God. Listen to what Paul says as he goes on. I want to read the verse Again, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Is that how you'd describe that no in life, that thorn right now? It's, it just torments, and it certainly cannot possibly be of God. It just torments. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, this was not just like three times in an hour, like, hey, God, take this away. Okay, 10 minutes later, God, take this away. I mean, this was seasons. This was seasons of pleading with God. God, you got to do something about this. And the answer was no. No, I'm not going to change it. No, I'm not going to do anything about it. And yet the important thing to notice here is three times Paul pleaded. Three seasons Paul pleaded. You know what that is? That's coming back. God, I I don't get the answer. I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I'm coming back. We had a friend not long ago who he had worked late, came home, didn't have his garage clicker, didn't have a key to the door, didn't have like a code to get through the door. So he's knocking and knocking and knocking at the door and everybody in the house is asleep. Everybody, no answer. 
Gets up, knocks again, you know, after sitting in the car for a little bit, no answer. Keeps knocking, no answer. He spent the entire night on the porch. And as he told me this, I just went, why didn't you, like, at least sleep in your car? And you know know what he said? I don't think he even realized what he said. He said, Nathan, because I knew that door could open any minute, that there could be an answer. You know what I think God wants from you and me? For us to know where our home is at all times and that any given moment, the door could open and there could be an answer. Any moment in time. See, we never, ever, ever grow beyond our need for God. And we'll talk about this in the coming weeks as as our country approaches Independence Day. It's easy to think independent in all areas of life, but this is one area where Paul would say, you are never, you are never going to experience more freedom than dependence on your heavenly father. And so a thorn, a thorn, even that Paul said was a messenger from Satan. Paul said, you know what it did? It caused me to deepen the knowledge of my need for God. And then third, Paul, when you look at what he says next, Paul, I I think this is the biggest one. Thorns will grow our understanding of God's grace in our lives. Listen to the answer he got. Verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. See, if you're good at reading between the lines, you know what answer he just got? No. No, I'm not going to take it away, Paul. That doesn't mean I love you any less. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to use you. But the answer is no. Now, this is, this is the difficult part for us. My grace is sufficient for you. See, when we hear grace and you read that answer, it, doesn't it feel like you got to settle? You've got to settle for the way things are. And here's why. Because grace is so foggy of a word to us. And a thorn is so pinpoint sharp. Grace is like this cool mist that just disappears and a thorn is just persistently and constantly there, isn't it? The pain, the things that we wish we could rearrange, the the things that we wish we could just change, they're just constantly there. And so my grace is sufficient. See, we don't often experience my grace is sufficient. You know what we, we live through? My thorn is too big. But God says, my grace is sufficient. While we think my thorn is too big, I cannot keep going. And this is why Paul says what he says next. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, grace in this instance is the power to walk through the thing that we would never choose to go through. And so when you get there, you got to remember two things. Number one, my grace is sufficient for you. You know what it is? It's an answer. I mean, haven't you had that experience where you text message somebody and no answer comes back? Or no answer comes back right away and immediately, you know, especially if your phone is constantly here, you're going, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? What did I do? What did I not do? What is wrong with me? And God, in this case, looked at Paul and he looks at you and me and he says, nothing. Nothing is wrong with you. The answer is just no. But my grace is sufficient 
for you. And the other word we have trouble with is sufficient, don't we? Because I don't want sufficient. I want spectacular, right? Don't you want spectacular? You want the big, huge miracle that God can certainly do? You can read through scripture. You see the miracle. He gives this incredible miracle, and it's this deliverance that only he could have carried out. But then sometimes, instead of that, he says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient is Israelites walking through the desert. And if you grew up in church, you know this story. When bread came from the heavens in the manna, God's command was take only what you need for the day because that is sufficient. If you were to take more, it would spoil. It would go bad. Moses, remember Moses? I mean, decades and decades of leading people to the promised land. One day, he gets mad, he hits a rock, and it was decided then and there, Moses, you will not enter the promised land. You will not go in. And and toward the end of Moses' life, Moses sat there. And I don't know if he could actually physically see it or if he just knew in the distance. As the Israelites crossed into the promised land, the answer for Moses was no. But the beauty of that story is God's grace was sufficient for Moses. Because you know where Moses was at the end of his life? No title, no position of leadership, not leading people. But as they went into the promised land, where was Moses? He was on a mountain worshiping in the presence of God. My grace is sufficient for you. David, he he had done all these mighty things for God. And he wanted to build God's temple and make it what it should be with everything that God had put in his heart. And the answer was no. No, David, that's not going to be you. That'll be somebody else. Now, if you could just stop and come back to your story. When the answer is no, my grace is sufficient for you. Isn't grace sometimes not that spectacular miracle, but it's just the the strength to put one foot in front of the other and to face one more day. My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes you get the miracle Sometimes you get a no, but my grace is sufficient for you. God says, I'm not going to remove it, but I'll redeem it. My grace is sufficient for you. I don't hold a God-sized pair of tweezers, but I hold you. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to ease the burden, but I'm going to strengthen your back. My grace is sufficient for you. Do you know what grace is? Grace is having God's yes while walking with life's no. That's what grace is. To, to have, somehow have all the spiritual resources of, the, of heaven and eternity and of our Savior while we navigate life's no. And you know the comfort of this is our Savior went first. The night before he died, the night before he went to the cross for you and for me, you know what he did? He looked to his heavenly Father and he said, God, not this. Let this cup pass. And as silence came from the heavens, Jesus followed up. But not my will. Your will be done. Your grace is sufficient for me. And so we have a Savior 
We have a savior who took literal, not just thorn, thorns in the flesh, a crown of thorns on his head. His back just whipped over and over and over, nails driven through his flesh because he went first to be a message that God's grace is sufficient for you, regardless of the thorn, regardless of the pain, God's grace is sufficient for you. So you and I, if you've trusted in what he did at the cross, you have a savior who because of the nails through his hands, he can sustain you with a thorn in your flesh. Now, this is not an easy message for any of us to hear because it's a too, all too painful reminder that it's often not just a singular thorn. It's thorns. Most recently, we got a reminder. Friday, we had to say goodbye to our dog. And that's not a comparison thing because many of you, I know you could get up here and you could tell a story that honestly might make me have a lot more perspective on saying goodbye to a dog. But in the previous weeks, as I've, as I've, you know, as we've navigated this, and as I've held a little one as, as she just cried, I was reminded, God, I would do anything to change this. Like, can you do something to ease this? Can you do something to make it better? Can you somehow reverse this? Give us assurance that we don't have to do this. I mean, turn them into a bunny. It would be easier to say bye to them if I could just turn them into a bunny. (sighs) You know what I got? No. But my grace is sufficient for you. And I wasn't going to share that this morning because it's still still raw. It's very raw. But these last couple days that have been full of tears, he gave me a reminder And it's a reminder that he gave Paul and he gives every single one of us that yes, I've given you a thorn, but where I give you a thorn, I also give you a ministry. See, the things that you and I walk through and the thorn that Paul was dealing with was not just about Paul. It was about what God was doing through Paul. The whole context of 2 Corinthians, you know what it's about? It's about a ministry. It's about a ministry and what God had done in Paul in order to do through Paul. And so Paul goes on and he says this. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You ever think about people that it just seems like everything's great, great, great. Everything's a highlight. Everything's incredible, especially on social media. You just go, wow, their life is perfect. And immediately, you know, what that, you know what happens inside? You think, I, but I can't relate to that. And Paul's recognizing something so powerful here. That when God allows a thorn, he gives us a ministry. Because in some way, somehow, we can connect with people. And it's part of the mission of this church. Connect with Jesus. Connect with people. Connect people with Jesus. You want to know one of God's instruments to do that? You with a thorn. In your flesh. And so for all the running from and trying to shift around and get away from, Paul says, nah, I'll boast in this. He he expands on it. He says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
See, God will use a thorn. God will absolutely use a thorn to get you and me beyond our things and get us to his things. His eyes, his heart, his hands, his plans, his purposes. And, and, and ironically, the beauty of that is that we don't really have a choice. You know, you know why that's a beautiful thing? Because if God were to tell you at the start of your life, here's what you're going to walk through, every single one of us would go, nope, not doing it. I'll go find somebody else, Lord. And so his grace upon us is he doesn't tell us it's coming and he doesn't ask permission. Now, to think of having a ministry in the midst of walking through a thorn in your flesh is like, what? That's not comforting, Nathan. I mean, I'm, I'm spending everything I've got just to try to get through every day, and that's what Paul's been echoing throughout this letter. When he gives you a ministry, it's not you doing it anyway. And so you know what doesn't surprise me? And the reason I tell you about this really raw pain, this thorn for us, is because I know God well enough. And I bet you know God well enough to know that he does something. And it's outside your strength. It's outside your planning. God usually puts somebody in your path, doesn't he? And it may be that their story ministers to you and your thorn, or it may be that your thorn ministers to them. Because as they start talking, you start going, oh my goodness, the, the specifics are different, but this is the same situation. Let me tell you what God did there. And I have no doubt, I have no doubt that God's going to put somebody there. See, if you're in the middle of it, one of the best things you can do is, of course, lean into him, take your time, go to him, plead with him. But then open your eyes and open your ears because God, I'm telling you, he's going to put somebody in your path. That when you hear their story, you go, oh my goodness, God didn't just do that for you, he did that for me. Or God didn't just do that for me, my grace is sufficient for me, but also for them. He'll do it. This Tuesday, we have an opportunity. You know, you heard we have summer nights. It's the first one we've done in two years here. And yeah, there will be games and and hanging out and and a good time. But you want to know what usually happens is the unplanned stuff. That's usually what God's up to. It would not surprise me if you end up in a conversation, if you come this Tuesday or, or even after service in the foyer, and if somebody starts talking, you go, oh my goodness, there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. My grace is sufficient for you. That is staying power. Now, just to fast forward, and just, just to give you a... A little more comfort. One day, one day, one of the great promises we have in Scripture. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 21. John, he says this. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
I'm making everything new. Your no will be made new. It will happen. But until then, my grace is sufficient for you. And so as the worship team comes back up on this Father's Day, what better picture of our loving Heavenly Father that he would say, I give you my grace to stay in it so that I can use you through it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. I mean, as we've walked through 2 Corinthians, not just this morning, but in previous weeks, over and over and over, we're reminded that it is not by our strength that we can walk through anything. It is by yours and yours alone And yes, you are almighty and all-powerful enough to do all that you do without us, but you have chosen to do it with us. Only, only because of the work you did at the cross in sending your son. And so, Lord, I pray that we would look upon the cross with new eyes, that we would see your grace all over it. But Lord, also as we look at our thorns, remind us, remind us that your son who took nails in his hands sustain us as there's a thorn in our flesh. Give us eyes to see you and to see what you're doing, not just in us, but through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.